He is risen. That's the repeated truth that we celebrate this morning. That's why we're here, to celebrate that reality. But how do we know that it is true? It's what we proclaim. We've probably said it 15 times this morning. But how do we know that it is true? I wish all of you could have been here on Friday night. I know many of you were to hear standing right in front of that music stand, Ella Bannister sing the most beautiful version of the old African-American spiritual, Were You There? You probably know the song. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they nailed Him to the cross? Were you there when they laid Him in the tomb? And the verse that she didn't sing on Good Friday, were you there when the stone was rolled away? The fact of the matter is, is that none of you were there. But there were people who were there. And they laid eyes on all of these things. They laid their eyes on the crucified Jesus. They were there and saw Him placed in the tomb. And as we will see this morning, there were those who were there that saw that stone rolled away. And so while we weren't there, we didn't lay eyes on it, they laid their eyes on on these realities and then they reported what they saw so we can now hear with our ears what they saw with their eyes and come to know that it is true you see the people that were there and saw what they saw there was agreement on something Very important for us this morning. Agreement on the fact that the tomb was empty. There is nobody debating that in our passage this morning. There is nobody debating that really today. They're all in agreement that the tomb was empty and that nobody discovered then or even now, centuries later, the corpse of Jesus. They're all in agreement on that. But that's where the agreement stops. What people don't agree upon is why. They don't agree on the answer to the question, why is the tomb empty? And that's the question that I want to try to answer for us this morning. Why is the tomb empty? Why does it matter for us today and what should we do about it how should we respond if you would please open your bibles to matthew chapter 27 on page 835 of the pew bibles if you're following along there we will read the last few verses of 27 and the first 15 verses of chapter 28 would you please stand 
for the reading of God's Word. The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said, while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell people he has risen from the dead, and the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard of soldiers. Go. Make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb, and behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go, tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. The undisputed fact in this story is that the tomb is empty, but why? Why is the tomb empty? There are basically two answers to this question given in this text. The first, the first answer is an unbelievable lie. The second answer is an incredible truth. An unbelievable lie, 
an incredible truth. The unbelievable lie is found at the beginning and the ending of the passage, and we will treat the beginning and the ending together. The incredible truth is right in the center or in the middle of the passage. So let's begin at the beginning. The beginning of the story sets the stage for the unbelievable lie. It's Saturday, the day after Jesus was crucified, and the day before they found the tomb empty. And the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together on the Sabbath before Pilate. And they have a simple request of Pilate, but an urgent request. They want him to make sure that Jesus' tomb is secure. Three times in that opening paragraph that we read earlier, three times the word secure is used. And it is there, Matthew has placed those words there for emphasis. They want to make really sure that the tomb is secure But the irony is the reason they want to make it secure is because they're feeling very insecure. You see, Jesus had been a threat to them throughout all of His ministry. And even now, after He's been crucified, at their wish, they got what they wanted, and He is in the tomb He is still a threat to them. Because they knew that when He was alive, He said, after three days, I will rise. And so they thought, well, if His disciples come and steal His body and then tell people He did what He said He was going to do, He is risen from the dead, that would cause them even more problems after his death than before his death. Remember what Obi-Wan Kenobi said to Darth Vader right before he was killed? He said, you can't win, Vader. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you could ever imagine. I think it's that kind of thinking that is going on in their mind. They're thinking, if Jesus' disciples steal His body and tell people He's risen from the dead, He will become a greater threat to us after He's crucified than before. The first, the second fraud will be worse than the first. And they want to avoid this at any cost. So they asked Pilate to make the tomb secure And Pilate agrees to the request. He says uh, in verse 66, we read that they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone, notice the details, and setting a guard. What's happening here? I don't want us to miss what's happening here. And if you're just joining us for the last chapter of the book of Matthew, I need to catch you up to speed a little. For the rest of you, maybe to remind you. What's happening here is that all of the power of Rome 
that is in Jerusalem and all of the religious power in Israel is at work trying to overpower the resurrection power of God. But it isn't going to work. That's what we need to get here. The power of man cannot prevail over the purposes and the power of God. And that's what we see happening in the next scene. We see the supernatural power of God at work. Look in verse 1. The next day, after the Sabbath, it's the very first Easter Sunday, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, they go to see the tomb. Now look at verses 2-4. to And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. The appearance of angels. An earthquake. Very rare occurrences in the Bible. Very rare occurrences in the Bible. In Matthew, the appearance of angels happened One other time. Just one other time. When was it? When Jesus was born. An earthquake happened one other time in the Gospel of Matthew. When was that? When Jesus died. Here, we have an angel and an earthquake. Both at Jesus' resurrection. When we see angels and earthquakes, we know God's up to something. He must be up to something here. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is a supernatural event. An incredible event. It is the power of God at work. And what we are meant to see is that the power of God is no match for the power of the most powerful nation in the world at that time, the Roman nation. And it is no power against the religious leaders in that day. Notice, they sealed the tomb, (laughs) but now the stone is rolled away. The seal is broken. They set a guard to watch the corpse of Jesus, but now when those guards see the angels, they become like corpses. They become like dead men. And guess what? The tomb is empty. The very thing that they set out to do, they were powerless to do. The guards, I want you to get this. It's very important that you get this. The guards saw it all. They were there. They laid eyes on all of this. It's going to be important a little bit later. And so what do they do? 
they go and report what they saw to the chief priests and the elders. We find this at the end of the story in verses 11 to 15. So let's draw our attention there. Because here's where the unbelievable lie is seen to be really unbelievable. The chief priests and the Pharisees at the beginning of the passage had accused Jesus of being an imposter for claiming to be the Messiah. They said that he was a fraud, that he was a deceiver. But now that the tomb is empty and their plan has failed, what are they doing? They're deceiving. They're putting forward a fraudulent story. They pay the soldiers off to tell a lie. Look at verse 13. Tell people. His disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And then in verse 15, we see that that's what happened. They took the money. They did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Unbelievable unbelief. Unbelievable unbelief. For a couple of reasons. You probably caught some of these and don't need me to share them with you, but just in case you didn't, one reason this is unbelievable is that they're claiming, well, first of all, they were afraid that the disciples may come to take his body. Now they're telling a lie that he did. Where are Jesus' disciples in this story? When was the last time we saw those guys? Remember the last time soldiers came to arrest Jesus? They scattered like mice in your living room. And we haven't heard from them since. They're terrified of being arrested and being put to death. Did you know that grave robbing is punishable by death? Do you really think these guys have the cheek to go and try and steal Jesus' body? I don't think so. The other thing that's really unbelievable about this is their story that they were asleep. The last time I checked, when you're asleep, it's kind of hard to witness something. And therefore, a little bit difficult to serve as an eyewitness to the theft of a body if you were snoozing. But that's their story. The religious leaders are feeling very insecure So now that they've failed to secure the tomb, they try to obscure the truth with a lie. And friends, their insecurity is the reason for their unbelievable lie. Throughout the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus has been driving home a really simple truth. It's a profound truth, but it's simple. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the Son of God. He is the King from heaven. He is the one in whom all authority in heaven and on earth resides. And He has the authority to forgive people's sins as the Son of God. In fact, the very reason He came, we're told in chapter 1, verse 21, was to save His people from their sins. 
That's why He came. That's why He died on the cross. But this is the thing. The religious leaders don't want to submit to Him as King. And they don't want to admit that they are sinners in need of a Savior. They don't want to submit. They don't want to admit that they are sinners in need of a Savior. That's why they have opposed Him all along. That's why they nailed Him on a cross. And that's why when they had their way with Him and had Him hung up on a cross, they felt justified in their unbelief. If He really was who He said that He was, the Christ, then why is He being crucified as a criminal? If He really is the Son of God, then why is a Roman governor nailing Him to a Roman cross? And so, that's why at His death, the religious leaders mock Him and say, He's the King of Israel, all right. Let Him come down from the cross. And then we will believe in Him. Really? Would they have believed in Him had He come down from the cross? I don't think so. Now, let's be fair. Their logic does make some sense. Human sense. It doesn't make sense for the Christ to be crucified. For a king to die the death of a criminal. But, what if that crucified king was then raised from the dead on the third day? Then, He is who He said that He was. He is the King. And He accomplished what He came to accomplish on the cross. He has paid the penalty for our sins on the cross, it's true, if He is raised from the dead. If He's still in the grave, it's all out the window. And that's why they want to keep Him in the grave. And then when He's not in the grave anymore, that's why they want to tell a lie about where He is. They're unwilling to submit to Him as King They are unwilling to admit that they need a Savior. Friends, this is what marks all people who don't believe. They're willing to lie or to believe a lie because they are unwilling to believe. Even though the guards were there They saw the angels. The guards were there. They saw the earthquake. The guards were there. They saw the empty tomb. The guards were there and know what we all know even today that His corpse was never found. And yet, they're still unwilling to believe. What about you? What about you? We have an empty tomb. Everybody sees it. But why is it empty? The religious leaders and the guards tell an unbelievable lie. But 
even as they're telling their lie, there is another group of people also leaving the tomb and they're telling a different story. They're telling an incredible truth. The reason I say it's incredible is because the resurrection is clearly a miracle accompanied by supernatural power. But why do I say it's true, a truth? I want to draw your attention briefly to three things in this passage. The first has to do with what the women saw. There's a repeated word in the passage, the word behold. It means to see or to look. Notice in verse 2, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven. So they saw as witnesses with their eyes the earthquake and the angel. Then look at verse 5. The angel says to the women, Don't be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen as he said. Then notice what the angel says. Come, see the place where he lay. The women lay eyes on the place where he lay and they see he's not laying there. The tomb is empty and they saw it. But that's not all that they saw. Look at verse 9. As they leave the tomb, we read, and behold, Jesus met them and said greetings. They actually saw Jesus with their own eyes. They touched Him with their hands. They came up and took hold of His feet and worshipped Him. They saw the tomb. They saw the risen Lord. We weren't there when the stone was rolled away. But they were there. And they saw it. After the women see the empty tomb, the angel tells them, go and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And after the women see Jesus, he tells them, go and tell my brothers. So this is what I want you to get. They come and see, then they go and tell. And we've heard what they said, and therefore we know. It's eyewitness testimony to the truth of what was seen. That's the first reason. The second reason that I say this is an incredible truth is not because of what was seen, but because of who saw it. This is maybe going to seem like a strange point, but I think it's important. Who were the first people to witness the resurrection? Who were the first people to actually go as heralds of the good news? of the gospel. It was women. Now, for us, this may or may not seem remarkable, but you have to remember the cultural context in that day. Women were not able to serve as a witness in a trial. They were not considered a credible witness. And so one of the reasons I believe Matthew is telling us the truth is because if he was going to make up a story about eyewitness accounts of the resurrection, he wouldn't have had the first people to see the risen Christ be women. It would have been an amateur hour of writing an account of the most important movement 
that would ever happen in the history of the world. Why does He appear to women first? We don't know for sure, but I suspect one reason is simply because this is the way Jesus works all the time. Who does Jesus go to? Does He go to the high and mighty? Not generally, because they generally do what with Him? They don't want to submit to Him. They don't want to admit they need Him. He generally goes to those who are despised and seen as unimportant in the eyes of the world, but to people that are precious in His sight. Women, children, lepers. And yes, the wealthy and the mighty as well, but this is simply the way that God works. That leads me to the third reason I say the women's report is an incredible truth. It's because it is the truth. It is the gospel truth. A truth that needs to be told. One of the things that's unique about this story, or it stands out to me, is the repeated use, uh, the repeated allusion to Galilee. Did you notice it? Whenever the angel appears to the women, he says, go and tell them that the Lord is risen and that He will go before you to Galilee. And then Jesus says to them after He's risen, He says, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see Me. Why does He mention Galilee? Well, maybe it's similar to why He appears to the women first. Galilee was despised. It was an insignificant region in Israel. It was called Galilee of the Gentiles. But Galilee of the Gentiles is where Jesus began His ministry to the needy. And it's where His disciples will be given their ministry to go to the nations with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friends, this news must be told if the resurrection is true. That's the main thing I've been trying to drive at this morning. I hope you are hearing it. If the resurrection is true, then Jesus is who He said that He was. He is the King from heaven. He is the one in whom all authority in heaven and on earth resides. If He is risen from the dead, then He also accomplished the very thing that He came to accomplish on that cross. He has paid the penalty for our sins. The cross, if Christ is risen, was not a tragedy. It was a triumph of God's plan of salvation. This is the truth of the Gospel. A message that must be proclaimed In a world full of lies, it is the truth that must be told. In a world full of bad news, it is the good news that must be heard. And it must be heard among the nations. The tomb is empty. There's no arguing that. But why? We've been given two explanations this morning. One is an unbelievable lie. The other is an incredible truth. 
that He is risen. What should you do with it? I briefly want to tell you, and simply, I think it will become very self-evident to you. Do what the women did. That's it. Fall at His feet and worship Him. Bow before Him as the risen King of all of the nations. Submit to Him as Lord. And admit that you are a sinner in need of a Savior and that He is the Savior that you need. He paid the penalty for your sins on the cross. Submit. Admit. Believe that He is who He said that He was. That He did what He came to accomplish. And then go with great joy and tell. Tell the nations. Tell your neighbors. Tell your classmates. Tell your family. Tell your friends the incredible truth. Why is the tomb empty? I don't know how you're going to answer But I'm going to answer, it is because He is risen. He is risen indeed. Let us pray. Father, I pray that You would help us to believe the truth and to not be blinded by the lies. We thank You for Your Word. that we hear that is a trustworthy report of what was seen. But we know that even in the face of clear evidence, some will still not believe. But we pray that they would. And so we pray You would soften hearts, lead people to faith and repentance, And that you would lead those who belong to Christ to rejoice with great joy and to go and to tell this good news. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.